0: Good afternoon, Dr. Dan Gouwer here. This is Authentic Biochemistry Podcast Studio. And it is the 25th day of April, 2022. We are on the third lecture now of cytoepigenetics. And we were talking about PPAR gamma. And I was giving you the perspective that an animal model study that was recently done talked about a high-fat diet, The fact that the high fat diet appeared to affect the incidence and severity of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease in a particular rodent model. They They fed a high fat diet and they normally what they encounter when they do this, I told you all the caveats of that relative to human studies. <clears throat> because it would be better to give them a high-carbohydrate diet, and that would then be the actual lipid dysregulation that occurs in humans. The reason they don't go that route is because they don't get the same pathophysiology as humans do. So they go just to give them a lot of fat, and because rodents put on adipose differently than humans, For many of the reasons I've already described to you, regardless of the fact that they have the same transcription factors and enzymes responsible for mobilizing, trafficking, and taking up fatty acids, the overall arching regulation that the paracrine, autocrine, endocrine, and most of the signal transduction cascades are modified distinctively in humans as compared to rodents, as you might guess. So using a high fat diet, you get a result and you follow it through. And then you're expected to believe if you're reading the scientific literature, that that can be um, extrapolated directly to a human. And I tell you that I've read thousands of these papers and I've contributed to, to the scientific literature. And I can tell you that um, human studies are human studies, the clinical studies, and they bear only a vague resemblance to what happens in the animal research. I also told you there's still a good reason to do animal research because we can check out pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics in an animal model. can also do a great deal of tissue testing and more invasive procedures in real time, to study alterations in gene expression, such as epigenetic, which is the topic of where we're at now. So I know it's all about lipids I've been mentioning, but it was my example. So you recall that when they did this high-fat diet in the rodent model, they looked at methylation pattern of a promoter for a transcription factor called PPR gamma. And what they found was that the promoter was demethylated upon high-fat diet. Now, they did not determine if, they, if it was a decrease in methylation of the promoter due to a lack of substrate, which would be s adenosylmethionine for the methylation reaction, one. Number two, a diminished capacity to add the methyl group because of lack of expression or high-level expression in the nucleus of the DNA methyltransferase. Or three, because there was a removal of the methyl groups by demethylase reactions. So see, there's three different components they didn't really parse out in that paper. So you can't really say that methylation is reduced because of high-fat diet. All you can say is that the product of methylation is lower, right? The product would be less methyl groups. And they did sequencing, and they did bisulfite pyrosequencing, and what that basically does is determine what promoters have methyl groups and what don't. When using bisulfite, you protect the region that is not methylated, and then, you de- then by subtraction, you determine what is methylated. That's how that, how that procedure works. And I told you I've done that procedure in um, epigenetic profiling in rats. Okay, so then I start telling you about PPAR gamma. So they're saying that the lack of methylation that induces the expression, because PPAR gamma is expressed higher with the lack of methylation, that's a canonical paradigmatic thing. When you decrease the amount of methylation of promoter region, cytosine residues or adenosine residues in CPG or APG islands in the proximal region of that promoter, you tend to make that gene more expressible, okay? Not uniformly, but that's what is typically considered more often the case. So, and they found two transcripts, the very low density lipoprotein receptor, which is a liver receptor, and the CD36, which is a ubiquitous receptor. In fact, BLDLR is also ubiquitous, not just in the liver. So there's a higher level of those two transcripts, and we know that, the very low-density lipoprotein receptor will take in very low-density lipoproteins enriched with fatty acids in the form of triacylglycerol. The other um, gene that was tuned up because of lack of methylation on PPR gamma and therefore its expression and, and potency as a transcription factor was CD36, cluster differentiation 36, that gene. And that gene codes for a protein that takes up fatty acid uh, either associated with serum albumin or associated with lipoproteins, but it's more fatty acid than triacylglycerol okay? And then they showed that this high-fat diet did all of this molecular alteration and the liver became fatty, high levels of fatty deposits in the form of lipid droplets composed of triacylglycerol They also did a study with cells, and they use palmitic acid, and they show that palmitic acid basically had the same effect. Um, Saturated fatty acid promoted the uh, transcription, well, the the lack of methylation of the promoter region of PPR gamma, which then was active, which caused the transcription of those two genes which take up that fatty acid from circulation. They also then uh, use an inhibitor uh, of methylation, And they show the same thing happened. And I told you there were so many caveats to the way the experiments were done, you can't tell if the phenotype they got, the the, the, the fatty liver deposits, were just because of those two genes, because methylation was being corrupted in any possible locus, right? All right. So then I told you about PPAR gamma being associated with the expression of a fatty acid binding protein. And that's where we were and we stopped and and we had cleared most of that discussion too. I told you this fatty acid binding protein is involved in adipocyte differentiation. It's also involved in macrophage, uh, differentiation from monocytes. So, and I told you that some high-level expression of fatty acid binding protein in those macrophages allow them to form foam cells within the um, vessels, the blood vessels, and this can generate atherosclerosis. Okay. <clears throat> so, all of that was so far we got. And I want to tell you this. Increasing FABP4 also has a positive effect on human health. Because what happens is that when you get peroxisome proliferator activator receptor gamma, PPAR gamma, plus the CCAAT enhancer binding protein, the CEBP, what those two transcription factors do is regulate genes for adipogenesis. One of those genes is fatty acid binding protein. And what we find in this paper in 2019 was that PPAR gamma expression promoted the proliferation and differentiation of adipocytes from pre-adipocytes to mature adipocytes. And at the same time, conferred insulin sensitivity to those mature adipocytes which is a positive effect because it decreases the diabetic phenotype associated with obesity. And the the paper in 2019 went on to suggest that the increase in insulin sensitivity would promote the expression of the PPAR gamma gene more in the adipose tissue, speed forward type of mechanism. And then all of that would ultimately force the differentiation of adipocytes to take in not only fatty acids because of the binding protein, and of course, the expression of PPR gamma is gonna turn on the the very low-density lipoprotein receptor transcription, as well as CD36 transcription, which will take in fatty acids. So you're taking glucose and fatty acids in the adipose, that is a healthy situation, okay? And so what they're basically telling you is that that transcriptional regulator, when it's dysregulated, when PPAR gamma is dysregulated, which means it's not functioning well, and that would be like a mimic, right? To what? To overmethylation of that promoter. Because if that promoter is overmethylated, what happens to the expression of the gene? It tanks. What happens if you get a mutation in the polypeptide because of the mutation in the gene? It's dysfunctional. So when you have a dysfunctional PPAR gamma or you have a reduced level. This is actually associated with insulin resistance in the adipose and presumably in the skeletal muscle. So that means that depending on what tissue you're looking at, liver, for example, versus adipose versus skeletal muscle, and perhaps other regions on the periphery, the fatty acid binding protein, which is a direct transcript from PPR gamma expression, is ameliorative to the disease state, to the pathophysiology. Now, there was no mention of this in the 2021 paper, because they weren't looking at the fatty acid binding protein, P4, (laughs) okay? They were just looking at two receptors to take up fatty acids, and they saw a fatty liver, and I told you the huge caveats they were looking at a rodent versus human. And the high-fat diet paradigm studies in rodents, I'm sorry, They should go to finding a model where they can more mimic the human obesogenic state, which is high carbohydrate, because carbohydrate, when you ingest it, is converted to lipid. And this is what induces the dyslipidemia and the adiposity. Therefore, the obesity, therefore all the potential pathophysiologies, such as type 2 diabetes, and yeah, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So you see, there's a distinction. Right, I just I just did for you an analysis. Uh, basically, we did a dialectic. We looked at the mouse model uh, with the methylation pattern. Then we looked at the uh, human model with without looking at methylation. We were just looking at the PPR gamma expression, and you see distinct differences right, in the results of whether or not you're getting a pathophysiological response or a healthy physiological response. And no, isn't that what I've been trying to argue to you? So that's what I'm saying about biochemistry. Things are all in flux, ray. So that's the primary first principle. So to understand that, because things are constantly changing over time, but also spatial differentiation, and then that turnover in space and time, that that flux of alteration of gene expression, that that fits into epigenetic reprogramming. And you need to be able to study that in real time to be able to get a handle on some element of what goes wrong in the obesogenic state in the organism you're interested in. Human, human health, right? So that was what I was trying to get at. And the reason we're discussing all of this again, because I'm doing cytoepigenetics, is because the peroxisome is involved here. All right, the peroxisome is involved because PPAR gamma, all the PPARs, will also promote the expression of the genes you find in the peroxisome. High level expression of enzymes in the peroxisome, high level of enzymes ex- uh, expressed in the mitochondria, both of them turned on by PPAR the gambit of that transcription factor is gonna cause more mitochondria to be produced v- via fission and more paroxysms. So here is that anti-grade effect of epigenetic changes in the nucleus on the PPR gamma expression, having an effect on the organelles which are involved in lipid metabolism, you see? Now, the other way also occurs, right? The retrograde pathway also occurs, at least with mitochondria, because mitochondria have DNA. Peroxisomes don't. But paroxysomes signal to the mitochondria, primarily with lipids. So they are within the Stokes radius, if you will, of the epigenetic reprogramming, see? Because you need to have a ligand, you need to, you need to induce, right? Right, good, that's enough. Now,